0: Welcome to Dynamic Healing, with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal, just breathe, and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain.
2: Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom, and we're happy
1: we took a little bit of a time, a little bit of a break, and we're happy to be back talking to our audience here. And we're in a phase of a issue that's a huge problem with, we call them obsessive thought patterns, disruptive thought patterns. The term we're using this morning is the monkey mind. And the monkey mind is sort of used as a joke, except monkeys aren't that gentle. (laughs) I have a friend of mine who spent 20 years in the African desert. He was telling me how ferocious monkeys are. if a monkey gets on your back, you are in big trouble. So this monkey mind thing, they look sort of cute and pleasant, but they're not that nice, especially when they're in your head. So today's episode is called Solving the Monkey Mind, Calming Threat Response. And there's multiple aspects to it, but we want to really focus on just one part of it today. And it's basically how to directly calm down your nervous system. So there's basically three aspects to calming down your racing thoughts. One of of them is separating from them. We call it thought diversion. Second of all is lowering your threat physiology, because when your brain's inflamed, <clears throat> it's just, everything reacts, it's on fire. And then finally, moving on, which is, which is another topic, you just get on with the rest of your life, but if you're trying to move on with these thoughts firing away, you just cannot do it. So this episode is going to really address ways to lower the threat physiology with direct techniques that Dr. Ari has been an expert for many years that I am just now becoming familiar with. And Dr. Arya, I actually do listen to you. (laughs) You may not seem like it, but I'm actually listening, and surgeons don't listen very well. But (laughs) but it's been remarkable how much I've learned about his way that he approaches calming down the vagus nerve, the body's physiology. It's been really, because he trained with Dr. Dick Gewurz, who has just been a master at this for decades. So there's a whole body of knowledge around calming down your body's physiology that's really not hit mainstream medicine and that's what we're going to discuss today
2: yeah that's great yeah absolutely david so uh, folks how about we start with a quote and uh, this is kind of a, a yummy quote at least i'd like to think of it david so here goes do what you need to do and enjoy life as it happens do what you need to do and enjoy life as it happens john scalzi and the point being is
1: when you're fired up. And remember, we use the term for anxiety as activated threat physiology. And the term for anger is hyperactivated threat physiology. There's simply physiological states, which means just how does your body function? It includes the rate you consume fuel that we call metabolism. It includes the way you fight off infections or inflammation or, or different threats. And so the bottom line is when your body is hyperactivated, you feel angry. So I'm gonna review the dynamic healing model. We don't wanna spend too much time with this because you've heard it before. We wanna really spend time today on techniques. So remember with dynamic healing is that you have your circumstances or stresses that we call the input. You have the state of your nervous system that is interpreting these signals and your nervous system is either calm or hyperactive. And if you have a hyperactive nervous system, it takes less stress to set off the response or the output or the physiology. So when you sense danger, your brain says danger, it sends out signals to your entire body that's cytokines or inflammation, you have the metabolism goes up, your stress chemicals up in your what we call threat physiology. And when th- threat physiology is sustained, your body breaks down. It's like driving your car down the, car down the freeway in second gear. It just can't do it. So we're dealing with one part of this process of obsessive thought patterns or disruptive thought patterns. Turns out that thoughts are a stress sensory input that you can't escape from. And they have the same effect on your body as a physical threat. So since you can't escape your thoughts, every human being has some degree of an ongoing threat response that you can't escape. When you can't escape something, your body becomes really fired up and you become angry. So again, the three parts of dealing with these things has been thought diversion, you want to turn down the heat, then you want to move forward into what you enjoy. The problem is, if you fight these things, you've given them neurological attention and reinforced them. So I'll finish this, and I'm going to turn this mostly over to Dr. Arya, who has a lot of experience of how to actually turn down the heat. And so the metaphor is a popcorn machine at the theater where the thoughts of the kernels coming into the grill or the heater. And so there's ways of diverting the thought, one of them being expressive writing, where you can escape from your thoughts, but you can divert from them. And then the, the griddle itself represents your fired nervous system, hyperactivated, activated. And when this kernels hit the griddle, why they pop and they disrupt your peace of mind. So what we're doing today is one, only one of the ways there's a bunch of ways of turning down the heat but there's direct ways of actually um, calming this down. So Dr. Aria, um, I'm surprised you let me talk as much as you, I just did. <laughs> if yeah. You are a psychologist, and this is what you're supposed to do, is to listen. That includes me.
2: Oh, oh, we psychologists often do interrupt people.
1: <laughs> right. Well, good job. You did a good job being a psychologist this morning.
2: go. Very good. Yeah, folks, I I think one of the most important things what David said is, you know, when we can really have a better handle on what's going on inside of us, or as I like to say, what shows up inside of us, you know, um, hey, David, I'm going to use one of my lines and it goes something like this. You're not responsible for what shows up, but you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up. That translates into, you're not responsible when the nervous system says, hey, dad, hey, mom, me no safe. And so the way the nervous system works, and specifically we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, which you know it's in service of our survival. And when we feel, or when the brain or the body, which I like to call the nervous system, the brain and body, when it senses danger through our five senses, and we can even say thinking, when we tend to think, it can actually activate when we don't realize we're drunk in the past or kind of worried about the future. And we seem to be ziplining between past judgment and future with ziplining in our minds. And you kind of know you're doing it. And, and most of us don't know sometimes more than 50% of the time that can activate the nervous system. And so overall, when something shows up inside of you, it doesn't matter why a negative thought, a very painful emotion that shows up. Um, or even a painful image that shows up on memory, and your body maybe lights up, you notice some difficult sensations, maybe tightness in your chest, you feel your pain symptoms be more sensitive, sort of a burning sensation, tightness. No matter what shows up, thought, feeling, or and or sensations in your body, you're not responsible for that. That's the nervous system communicating to you to say, hey mom, hey dad, This is what it. this is what I sense. And so that's why we often use the word felt sense. The nervous system is doing its job to keep you in survival. And the part that we mentioned earlier on is you're not responsible for what shows up nervous system, but you are responsible to how you show up. That means when you tend to know that something difficult is happening, is it is your responsibility to really learn these skills. And that's why David and I love doing this podcast, because we want to teach you um emotional regulation skills which means a nice way to calm the nervous system down and when you can learn some basic skills just to recognize that the body does not feel safe and it's your responsibility to create a felt sense of safety much like a child a parent to a child and if you can learn some basic skills nothing fancy not to get rid of the sensations the thoughts the emotions or the body sensations but if you can like a parent Who's soothing a scared child can do some basic, basic interventions, you will start to retune your autonomic nervous system in a way that will benefit you and actually have greater connections. David?
1: Well, but also remember that this automatic survival response that you pointed out, we are not responsible for it. As our friend Bruce Lipkin has pointed out really clearly, that anxiety and anger or an activated nervous system are automatic. They're hardwired. They're a million times stronger than your conscious brain and you have no say. Mm -hmm. So again, we're focusing on one aspect of the, of these repetitive disruptive thought patterns is that we're going to talk about later about how we're going to you divert those, but that the ones that come through hit a hot nervous system that's fired up, hyperactive, hypersensitive, and they fire away. So again, you don't, Any of the techniques we're going to talk about over the next few weeks by itself doesn't solve the problem, but a huge part of the problem are finding the multiple different ways of actually calming down the nervous system. So today we're talking about techniques that actually directly stimulate, what's called the vagus nerve. It's the 10th nerve that comes from the midbrain. It's called a cranial nerve. It goes to every internal organ in your body, including the immune system. It's the most powerful, in fact, it is the anti-inflammatory nerve in the body it stimulates your body to calm down, it has calming neurotransmitters, it calms down inflammation, it slows down metabolism. And so we're just trying to take one part of this equation today of actually stimulating the vagus nerve to get it to calm down. So I'm gonna just mention a couple things and what Dr. Arya has really taught me is that as a surgeon, I just think, well, this is just nonsense. This is some psychological mumbo jumbo. (laughs) Oh man, you're saying those words. That hurts, David. I know, I know, I couldn't resist. Sorry, it's early Sunday morning, so I wanted to wake you up. But no, I mean, it's interesting. As surgeons, we're focused on structure. We don't really acknowledge the body's physiology in creating symptoms. And as Bruce Lipton pointed out, that the difference between a cadaver and a living human being is energy and light and movement. You you cadaver's aren't having anxiety. There's no motion there. Right. It's all about motion and activity. So what you're trying to do is, again, one way of doing this is directly stimulating the biggest biggest nerve. So what we found out that, for instance, rhythm and dance, if certain rhythms and certain dance actually calm down the nervous system, and it's different for everybody, and I'll just give you one short story myself, and it varies from ear to ear, and this is going to sound crazy to you, Dr. Ari, because I generally like... You know Motown, you know 1970s rock and stuff like that. But for about six months in medical school, I was absolutely obsessed with acid rock. It calmed me down.
2: Wow, you know we but knew something. Did. I, I just couldn't.
1: Kind of, and then for a while it was country music, <laughs> and it, it, but I'm saying, and so I can hit. I hit some. I hit a song the other day mm-hmm. that took me back to an ear of my life that was wonderful. So just the sound of that music, connecting yeah. to circumstances that are pleasant is a way to calm down your nervous system.
0: Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: your environment and circumstances that can actually, again, when you're listening to music, your brain's going to a different place. You're switching away from these disturbing thought patterns, but you are also directly stimulating your body's physiology to calm down. So the rhetorical question I ask people is that anxiety and anger are powerful survival responses. They're not responsible to rational interventions at all. Mm -hmm. How do you calm down anxiety? And people tell me all these different techniques, but the bottom line is is you simply lower the threat physiology, that's it. There's a lot of ways, and what doesn't work, by the way, is talk therapy by itself. So anyway, music and rhythm is one of the ways um, that make a difference. The other one I mentioned really quickly before I turn this over to Dr. Ari and breath work is humming, which which I was surprised about, is that when you hum, is that it's very close to the um, 10th cranial nerve or the vagus nerve. And so, just light, mild humming actually stimulates the vagus nerve. So, anyway, Doctor, you have a lot on breath work, which I find really, yeah. really fascinating. And I also want to talk about this, what's called safe and sound protocol, which is a variation of the music. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll turn this back over to you. You yeah. still you're still listening more than I'm used to. <laughs>
2: It's all right, David. You know, I'm sure our audience is like, oh, here we go. We're back to uh, to normalcy of. <laughs> listened... No, no, no. Seriously, um, uh, we have uh, I've missed David, so he was gone for a while. So I'm glad. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying this. So let's kind of get back to this, David. Before we move on to breath work and talk about different ways to lower the threat of our uh, physiology here, you'd mentioned um, humming. Just to let you know, as my grandmother used to hum Amazing Grace. Can you imagine hearing that for eight hours and um, i don't know i'm not sure who kept busy for eight hours she could be cooking cleaning and she would hum it and if you think about those days uh, those when um uh, in the early 1800s and 1900s also meaning that when people were out you know picking cotton you'd hear them hum and sing right. think about this uh, you're you know people who are slaves right you know this horrific thing that happened and where people would hum. Why? Because they already were in a threatening situation. Right. And how what an amazing thing that intuitively people sing and hum to create a sense of safety within themselves and among the community. It's pretty cool. Um, and I think my grandmother hummed as a way to soothe the amount of work she had she was doing. But I picked up, um, I didn't quite understand why, but after reading Stephen Porges' work and uh, realizing that, Humming is really an amazing, it, it, there's a vibration, David, when you hum, like, hmm, it's a, when, even when you just kind of hum. Right. Um, and um, and whatchamacallit, um, uh, Peter Levine, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Peter Levine, world-renowned and who was very close friends with Dr. Stephen Porges, talks about, Dr. Levine talks about uh, something called a vu. Where, when you actually sort of hum, but he called it when you breathe out, you say the word vu, like sort of a very deep, don't knock it till you try it. So, meaning, audience, if you're feeling anxious, you know, you could stand up or be where you are. I like to stand up and do this and really just do the word vu, a nice long exhalation, then take a nice gentle breath in. And then say voo. Just keep on doing it. So that exhalation and that humming of the voo is very, very powerful. I've seen this demonstrate with Dr. Peter Levine. So humming is not just humming with music, but actually even just using that—it's so powerful. David, have you ever tried that—the sound sort of the voo or the humming in that manner?
1: You know, I, since I've been working with you, I have, and it is remarkably effective. Um, the breath work that we'll talk about in a second has been remarkably effective. Mm-hmm. And um one more I want to say really quickly before we go on to the breath work, which is really critical, is, is rubbing your forehead stimulates the fifth cranial nerve. That's why people put a cold washcloth on their forehead or they rub their forehead. I actually have told Stephen Portis that that insight has changed the relationship to my cat.
2: Okay. <laughs> now now, folks, at this point, you're probably wondering, like me, like what because
1: i started rubbing my cat's forehead and now she (laughs) loves. wait wait, (laughs) i'm sorry david
2: i'm gonna have to ask you this gosh tell me you don't do this to babs your wife (laughs) i
1: probably should
2: (laughs) she's listening
1: anyway um but no it's interesting it's just incredible how i started about a year ago learned uh, for this whole technique. And it's very interesting. Um, Anyway, so let's go back to a more serious note about the things that come. So I just want to emphasize, I want to say this about 10 times today, is that, again, surgeons look at this stuff as just craziness. And I just want to point out the way we know this works, unless you can answer this better, more clearly. Okay, we hum, you rub your forehead, you do these different things. How do you know you're stimulating the vagus nerve? Well, we have ways of measuring it we can actually measure the response of these interventions on the vagus nerve. So let's, can you just summarize really quickly how we do measure that vagus nerve response?
2: I think probably the best one was what um, Stephen Kors has been doing for 45 plus years, is basically, um, you know, heart rate variability. And and just to keep things simple, is that the vagus nerve has strong influence on your heartbeat and um, from one heartbeat to another, the, the variability is very important, which means that when you are feeling stressed and when the stress is over, you know your heartbeat should go back to sort of a baseline, but very often it doesn't because we add thought, we're overstimulated by other senses. So a good measure of our, um, how healthy our autonomic nervous system is, how healthy our nervous system is, The biomarker that's best used there is called heart rate variability, HRV. It's beat to beat, the difference between each heartbeat. Not your heartbeat, but the differences. In simplicity here, folks, don't get hung up on those fancy acronyms, HRV. Just know that when your heart beats and responds to threat and then comes back to a normal rhythm of calmness, that is really an important way. So we know that the vagus nerve is like the breaks to the heart it slows it down. Just think of your car brakes. So just keep it at that, David. So that way we don't confuse folks, but it's a really, really great measure. So one of the things when I work with patients is sometimes, especially when they're not getting the stuff, like um, folks like doctors and special <laughs> surgeons. So <laughs> I'll use the heart rate variability. I'll get a measure before I start treatment and in the middle and then after, and I'll give you a number, anything below 50, I'm being arbit- arbit- in arbitrary manner instead sort of giving number 100 is uh, amazing zero is not right so these physicians I work with their heart rate variability 19 14 it's almost like they're sick but they're still functioning and when they start working doing so, it rapid- that,
1: that's incredibly low so it means it, that they haven't activated the sympathetic nervous system
2: correct yeah bleed, but and, doing- and,
1: and you do this right in the office.
2: Yes, I do in the office and now even remotely, we can do this with different ways to do it beyond this um, topic today, but yeah. And sometimes data, um, not all the time, but data sometimes is quite convincing. And when someone who cares about their health and says like, wow, my heart rate is very high, or in this sense, we're talking about heart rate variability, HRV, the lower it is, it lets you know that you're in a stuck, state a physiological state of sympathetic. And you're really, really, it's like, your heart will get sick, or your body gets sick when it's so in such a survival mode. So, David, I'll do something like check the HRV, and they often go like this mumbo jumbo, as you said, because in medical school they learned about the autonomic nervous system and then pushed it aside and said, let's kind of look at other things. And you're right, David. When someone is that, when someone is sick, even with COVID, when someone with is a very depressed. When someone has severe chronic pain or chronic medical conditions or high anxiety, the HRV will be very low, which translate the nervous system is stuck in a state of defense or survival. And so what I do is we do certain things and I'm going to get into breath work. And using breath work, and someone's like, oh, I know how to breathe. I <laughs> get this response from, again, uh, and please know we're not we're not bagging on doctors or surgeons. I'm just using this as an example that sometimes they're like, yes, I know how to breathe. Well, if you knew how to breathe, uh, then tell me the reason why your body is not in state of balance. Here's this, knowing and doing are two different things. And today, I'm hoping that you'll hang on these words. Knowledgeable action is when you take knowledge and apply it because it is of importance to you. So breath work is like the remote control of your nervous system. Think of a remote control on the TV when it's really loud. And have you noticed this when you watch TV? I haven't watched TV in, I don't know, close to five to six years, David, but when I watch TV or a sports game, is the volume goes really high in between commercials because the pitch is really high, the frequency is really high. And what I do is I, it actually startles me, David. So I actually, well, one day I was watching a, a ball game and I turned the volume down and I'm like, geez, Louise, this is like breath work. And the moment the volume went down, my whole nervous system just settled down. Breath work is the remote control of your nervous system. And David, I'm wondering whether it'd be okay to walk these folks through maybe just a simple, simple, just a few seconds of breath work. Well, I
1: think we could, I know there's different types of breath work. I know we're not going to try to cover it all today, but if you just list really quickly, maybe the five basic types of breath work, and I'll mention one that caught my attention, and this is well-documented, is that just slow breathing. Eyes yeah. thin, just exciting. breathing normally, no particular attention to it. Just breathing between six to 10 breaths per minute, and the normal rate's about 15 to 16, just slow breathing, nothing special, stimulates the vagus nerve. That blew me away.
2: Yeah, that's exactly, and you, 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 again, And mean, you must have eaten your Wheaties this morning because David is all over. That's exactly right. Ease over effort. One of the best ways the way I do this is, is in the morning when you wake up, um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to kind of not overwhelm the group here, the audience here. So I'm just going to mention a, a handful of them, just simple, easy breath, breathe in through your nose and then let that breath just sinking, letting go, releasing breath, just even feeling that breath. Now, my uh, mentor and the guru of biofeedback here is Dr. Richard Gewurz. Um, Dick Kavertz is world-renowned. And he, till today, I always chuckle because he looks the same way I was in grad school. Um, he's got the same white beard, so he never ages. One of the things that doesn't age with him is breathwork 10 minutes every day. I've known him for a while now. And when we reconnected, is every morning, he sits there, and he just does slow breathing. And this is an important thing. So another way to breathe is basically you can use what he has taught me, um, what we call resonance breathing. Again, don't get hung up in the words resonance breathing, or it's also known as coherent breathing. It goes something like this, a four by four. Breathing in, two, three, four. Out, four, three, two, one. So four breaths in. Like a four count in and then a four count out. Some people like it longer. So for me, I like four breaths in, in two, three, four. And then as I breathe out through my pursed lips, I actually have an eight count. So I usually count down eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So my in count is four, in one, two, three, four. As I'm breathing into my nose, And as I breathe out through my pursed lips, I count down from eight to one. So it's double. So my exhalation is longer. And this is what is found for me personally, David, to calm me down. Some of you may find that maybe breathing in for five counts, breathing out for five counts, breathing for six counts. So that is called resonance or coherent breath. David, any comment on that that you've enjoyed or have used before?
1: Yeah, no. So Dr. Arya, did you do your breath work this morning yet?
2: love i love how you pitches the text you might me, so. be it's a little fired up this morning <laughs> well you know what maybe i'm too chill but the answer is yes um well, good
1: no i think so. that's a great that's a great idea i had you know i do expressive writing every morning but i think the breath work is a great idea because it's easy and you can do it almost anytime any place and uh, for me it's been a very interesting calming technique. Two things about breathing through the nose, by the way. So when I'm jogging now or walking, I try to breathe in deeply through my nose and let it out, but also stimulates the release of um, nitric oxide, which is very powerfully, again, anti-inflammatory. So when you breathe in through your nose, you're actually stimulating that particular chemical release. And then of course it allows the breathing to be more deliberate when you breathe through your nose. And then, you know, there's different ways of, you know, the cadence of the short breath in, deep breath out, and vice versa, um, et cetera. So um, I think before, instead of going into a lot of details of the different types of breath work, just realize that breath work is a huge factor. I will recommend a book called Breathe by Dr. James Nestor, who goes into the history of breath work, which goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. And then unless you have a website,
2: um, mindfulness, is do you sell the same website about mindfulness uh, yeah, so it's a YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, I switched it over because so much work, so, so yeah, if you go to YouTube, um, Mindfulness is spelled with a Y, M-Y-N-D-F-U-L-N-E-S-S, so just type in Mindfulness and Less Aria, and um, you'll get my YouTube channel, uh, David has seen it, and, uh, and thanks for uh, promoting that, because it really is meant to kind of regulate your nervous system, um, a lot of breath work there
1: right? And just whatever one works for you is great. But even the simple ones of just slow breathing, breathing through your nose, etc., is all really critical stuff. So I'd like to finish up today's podcast with something which is really exciting to all of us, um, is called um, the Safe and Sound Protocol, or stimulating the biggest nerve somewhat directly. And let us know, with Dr. Porges and a few other people really pioneering this work in the presence of now, I don't like the word chronic pain anymore because I, I mean, really, realize all the same stuff with this mental pain and physical pain. So when I say chronic pain, to me, I'm talking about anxiety, honestly. But nonetheless, the SSP protocol is a direct stimulation of the vagus nerve. Again, very well documented to stimulate the vagus nerve through the HRV process. So let's, um, if you could tell us a little bit about the SSP protocol, how it works and some of your experiences with it, that would be a great way to finish up this part of the podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So the safe and sound protocol hereafter known as SSP is the work of Gorgias. Basically, it's based on the polyvagal theory. And uh, and what that does is, so let's kind of explain what it is, uh, what SSP is. It's filtered music to help prime your nervous system by exposing it to different sound frequencies. And that in of itself helps the nervous system sort of reach a state of homeostasis. And many of my patients go, what do you mean homeostasis? Well, when, I, when we use the word, when David and I use the word homeostasis or even does, it's what we're saying is this SSP rebalances your nervous system. It's a sense of feeling safe and connected to promote sort of a readiness to change, to engage in those active therapies, like psychotherapy to kind of help you learn some skills, um, you know, physical therapy and all those other things that you dietary changes, exercise. So it's to create a sense of felt safety and connection. So, and I just, I want to make one other comment and it bounces back to you, David. The safe sound protocol folks really does work well. Think about this. And David, we've, uh, we've been sharing this statement as, uh, and uh, actually took it originally from David first is the prehab before the rehab. And the prehab is basically the SSP. Whenever I work with people who have years and years of really complex trauma or, and or uh, persistent pain, sort of this anxiety as David calls it, the SSP is a way to kind of say, let's retune your autonomic nervous system. Think about it. How difficult is it to talk or to deal with your, with your trauma or your persistent pain or your medical conditions when you're just so overwhelmed and you're in a survival mode, your body's tense, you're irritable, you're sad, you're anxious. What the SSB does is it actually calms everything down inside of you. And the calmness is the nervous system being retuned. It's almost like walls open up and you can breathe easier. And so the SSB is not an elixir. It is meant to be used in conjunction with other active therapies to get your life, health, growth, and restoration.
1: Well, just for example, and I don't know this as well as you do, but what we've learned is like low sounds are threatening, like growling in animals, et cetera, et cetera. So, what the whole process is doing is that humans are able to ascertain safety versus threat. So, there's certain pitches of voice that are playful, that are they have uh, uses the word tonality, mm-hmm. where you actually can sense friendliness versus danger. So what they've done when they say, talk about filtered music, they filtered out those lower pitches that are threatening. And I think some of the really higher pitches are threatening also. So they picked, so the music is still the same, but the pitch of, pitches of it that are threatening are filtered out. Yeah. And so... I guess what I'm asking you, Les, is that you these are earphones, basically. You put them on earphones, right? Over
2: the over the ear headphones, yes. Right,
1: and then I'm just curious if you have
2: just one case that you could tell us about where you saw this have some significant effects. Well, uh, we'll keep something simple. I get lots of referrals for TMJ, and uh, and basically jaw pain, and I've had uh, and also fibromyalgia, right? But one case I remember this. This is a therapist I was working with, with and David uh, severe anxiety. Um, but being expressed as physical pain. So you know, the doctor said, "Like, yep, you have some sort of um, jaw issue." They put a the night guard, and this person was grinding the teeth. And whenever I hear grinding the teeth, I often find out: well, is there any sort of unexpressed emotions that you're not dealing with, like anxiety or anger? Right, and much like what David was saying. Long story short, of this is it took about. So I have a 10-day protocol that I use, a little bit different from forgeses because with chronic medical conditions and certain things, I don't like to rush. So the person listened to the SSP once a day for 30 minutes for 10 days. And I usually like to have, uh, when you're done with the SSP, to have a couple of days before I kind of connect because then they tend to feel sort of the unfolding of the nervous system, like, wow, something has changed. And what I found out is I found out three common things for especially with chronic pain. People tend to be ready to do the rehabilitation stuff, like the difficult work, like let's get out there and challenge your fears about pain, let's do the exercise, like all health behaviors, including talking about difficult trauma stuff related to pain and the anxiety part. Here's this, is three things that showed up and shows up consistently, David. i have told Porges this in, uh, in our meetings. First thing is mood shift. It shifts from a state of danger and threat to a state of safety and connection. How is that expressed? People report a sense of calmness, positive moods, a sense of peace, a sense of joy. So mood shift. Second thing I found out commonly when I use the SSP as a prehab before the rehab, the second thing is reduction of pain intensity. With jaw pain and fibromyalgia, I tend to get complete resolution, and I want to have a little caveat to that. Just because your pain completely comes down with the SSP or resolves does not mean you don't do the work. This is, that's the perfect time to get all the skills because down the road, you could have a flare up. And so this is why it's really important to know that SSP is not an elixir. This jaw pain person I'm thinking about is complete resolution, Her jaw pain after 10 years, completely resolved. I didn't do surgery, I didn't do injections, I didn't do medication changes. This goes back to what David and I are talking about. your autonomic nervous system is better regulated you tend to actually experience sort of this calmness inside of you mood shift one outcome of the ssp reduction or resolution of the jaw pain Uh, this person had complete resolution which means she no longer was noticing it and then the third one was this is the cool part david um resiliency and this individual said for whatever reason whenever i get stressed now it's almost like It spikes up, and then I'm able to kind of come back online using her words. I have clarity on what I have control over and don't. It's almost like the serenity prayer becomes amplified as one of the products of using SSP. Well, I mean,
1: remember the goal of chronic pain is is not to be pain-free forever, and you'll have flare-ups that come and go sometimes every day, sometimes every week. Whatever it is that life keeps coming at us, we keep getting stressed, your body keeps reacting, but what you're able to do with these skills is actually calm yourself down relatively quickly. And so people go to pain free state. I said, I just had an email yesterday somebody who just went to pain free after 10 oh. years. She's so excited, but she says, Well, am I going to flare up again? I go, Well, of course. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> I mean,
1: right? I mean, that's life. So anytime you know, it's your stresses or your body senses danger and your nervous system interprets it as danger. And says right. and signals out to threat physiology, you're going to have a reaction. But you learn the different ways of calming that reaction down. So the essence of healing is you minimize your time in threat physiology and maximize your time in safety. So what we did today, we just reviewed ways of directly working on the body's physiology. So breath work, stimulus of the vagus nerve, music, rhythm, dance, humming, rubbing your forehead. And then, this approach, <clears throat> if you have a lot of bad trauma or having a hard time getting started, it's called the Safe Sound Protocol <clears throat> that again gets your brain back online. And when we say that, when you're in a threat state, your brain activity shifts from the thinking centers down to the survival centers. You honestly cannot think clearly because that part of the brain is no longer active. Your body's mobilized to survive, and that's what it's going to do. So we all know you really can't think very clearly or creatively in a threat state. So I just have to make one final comment, Dr. Arya. So just take a deep breath. <laughs> so there's, there's a joke, but it's actually not really a joke. Dr. Porgis started this a while back about, you know, Dr. Arya is sort of our guru. <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons for that. He has a great smile, he has a great personality but his tone of voice is actually probably the SSP protocol. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, if you're, it's interesting, I'm serious. I'm not being actually fairly serious right now right. is that, you know, if you have somebody who was with a calming voice, um, it makes a difference. And that's why having have a nice relationship with your provider, physician, nurse, psychologist is really critical because if you're in that, in that person's presence and feel threatened. Of course, it's very counterproductive. So, I'll finish off this podcast by saying that we think still that one of the biggest factors in healing is the patient provider relationship and feeling safe and relaxed and be able to be heard. And so again, it's another way of actually calming down your nervous system to heal.
2: Yeah. David, a couple of things as we close out here, and thanks, and hopefully the audience enjoyed our uh, bantering here and some information, a couple of things, two things I want to mention is this is, it is difficult to heal until you feel safe enough right it's really important on a daily basis to have a felt sense of safety right with, whether it's with a cup of tea that you're holding or your breath work or you're taking a walk whatever you're doing is you're investing in a state felt state of safety so please make sure that you do deliberately practice to influence your nervous system that's the first thing i want to mention and the last thing as we close out here was something I'd mentioned earlier on the statement that I used you're not responsible for what shows up and you are responsible to how you show up to what showed up
1: and also remember we're talking about the monkey mind today so again we're talking about the the thoughts and then there's a heated up nervous system so today's topic are just some direct ways of directly calming down that nervous system part of it We'll be discussing a bunch of different aspects to calm down these obsessive thought patterns in the future. So Dr. Arya,
2: thank you. Enjoyed it. Nice
1: to be back to work with you.
2: Likewise.
1: All right. We'll talk soon. Okay.
2: Bye-bye.
0: David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-less at dynamichealingpodcast.com That's david less at dynamichealingpodcast.com. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.